Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Cool Zone Pod, sponsored by Maldonado Sports. Go follow everything Maldonado Sports over at Maldonado Sports on Twitter. Go follow our friends at Fixin' to Talk Sports, a variety sports podcast hosted by Ryan Brown, and of course the Foxborough Files, who are now coming up on week four without any content release, but the rumors are swirling that a humongous content drop is coming soon, so be ready to hear that from Dan Roach, Zach Lacey, and Mike Ayula, the Patriots Die Hard podcast. Hopefully, Malvin Off Pod gets going. It's been a long time since those guys have got together, but as the main pod of this program, I'm sure they will come back and better than ever. For us this week, if you go over and follow us at The Cool Zone, you'll notice uh, our Twitter account uh, has tweeted a couple times about Aaron Neesmith, so there will be lots of Aaron Neesmith coverage on this podcast. Uh, Obviously, follow us at The Cool Zone. Slide in those DMs. Give us some stuff to talk about, among other things that we have prepared. Speaking of what we have prepared, this is going to be a uh, more agenda-free edition of The Cool Zone, meaning we're kind of just going to be doing a lot of Celtics venting, because if you've been paying attention to anything Celtics-related you know that a venting session is much necessary and much well-deserved. So, we're going to wrap up very quickly what is going on around the league, and then we will get into the brunt of this podcast. We will have Dan Sadik on the line again, health and safety protocols in effect over at the Sadik household right across the street. So we will have him on the phone. Jonathan will call him as soon as we are ready, which will be probably pretty soon. So let's get to today's topics and all of that. Uh, The very first thing being that Anthony Davis is going to be out for about two to three weeks. An MRI shows he is a calf strain. So the Lakers will be without him probably close to, if not through the All-Star break. Um, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are both being sat out of their future games until the team's can mold trade options and for Blake Griffin possible buyout options as the Pistons are probably going to go younger so they will probably look to get out of that Blake Griffin contract as quickly and efficiently as they can Andre Andre Drummond getting some looks from the Raptors I believe and I am blanking on the other team do you remember the other team was it the, the Raptors? Raptors was the main team but the main there was team. other um teams that are mentioned i mean like the spurs were mentioned brooklyn was mentioned philadelphia mm-hmm. was mentioned the celtics were even mentioned that you gotta roll your eyes but i feel I like only about, i, don't I feel like only celtics, celtics fans said that the that they i don't want i don't want to talk about the celtics yet just <laughs> all contenders um mm-hmm. so just anyone that's really towards the top of their conference was mentioned so yeah very expected given the number of large athletes that play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they have a lot of centers and power forwards that they need to start figuring out what to do. Um, 
so they will mold their options and probably make a decision over the next week or so. Probably should be even sooner. If they're going to start sitting it from games, I would like to think that means they're going to do something very soon. Also in the news, NBA just sent out a memo to all of the teams about the All-Star break travel plans. It looks like players that get invited will be able to bring a limited amount of family slash friends and uh, there will be a two-day gap where they need to make sure they are back into their teams um, after the All-Star break in order to be efficient in limiting other COVID spreads and following all health and safety protocols. The Spurs and Pistons game tonight, Monday, February 15th, has been postponed because the Spurs are without eight players. Uh, So they will have to make up that game or attempt to make up that game in the future. In other news, the Utah Jazz are still absolutely destroying everybody who they play. They've now won seven games in a row, nine out of their last ten. So they just continue to dominate and dominate the entire NBA. They just took down the Milwaukee Bucks, who have actually dropped three in a row, most notably to the tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, that is that is not a good loss for Giannis and the Bucks to take, although they still sit in second place two games back of the 76ers, who are also on a two-game losing skid. They are 6-4 and four in their last 10. Not too great for Philly, but they still hold the best record in the league, so not to worry. Both the Pacers and the Nets are riding two-game winning streaks. The Nets are starting to put some things together, but they will be without Kevin Durant tonight and tomorrow night. And going forward from there, pretty much the rest of the Eastern Conference is about the same, aside from our main topic of today's show, the Boston Celtics. And then over in the West, the Suns are surging. They've won six in a row, nine out of their last ten. So that first place prediction from your boy, my Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I meant to say that. I was thinking about that before the podcast. They are my Phoenix Suns. They are four and a half games out of first, three of second, and just two of third behind the Clippers, Lakers, and then Jazz. So, Chris Paul's got them boys running. Other than that, ever since uh, we talked last week, everything is the same. There's a big, a big, big uh, tie at the end of the Western Conference uh, between the Rockets, Pelicans, and Thunder. Draft implications for sure there. So, all those teams will have to wait nervously as other teams from the Eastern Conference, such as the Hawks, the Heat, the Bulls, Magic, Cavs, Pistons, Wizards, even Raptors, Knicks, Hornets, who are even in the playoffs... We'll all be looking very closely at whether their teams squeak into the playoffs, especially maybe, in that Eastern Conference. Maybe the Celtics will be on that list next week. Uh, we'll get to that, but on the trends, you know, it's definitely an option, definitely a possibility. But hopefully, as Kemba Walker said feverishly um, after their last loss against Washington, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So we'll see if they do indeed figure it out. ESPN just put out a straw poll of their MVP results. Uh, some of the some of the names on this list might surprise you. Most of them won't. One in particular definitely will. But the top five that round out this MVP straw poll vote. LeBron James is at the top of the list. And you, can you really doubt him? The guy has been doing it all this season. Uh, he's 36 years old and still playing some of the best basketball of his career. He got 53 first place votes. And he's about 100 points in the whole point system that they run ahead of the next best contender, which is Joel Embiid. Got 23 first place votes. And then Nikola Jokic with 18 is in third place. And then following him with a big drop off of only three first place votes is Kevin Durant. And then Kawhi Leonard. 
I was very shocked to see Paul George on this list. I guess he's been playing better than I would like to give him credit for. I was also very surprised to see guys like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell get on this list. I understand the Jazz have been playing some really good basketball, but I don't think those guys have been putting up necessarily MVP caliber stats into the box score each and every night. The Jazz kind of have been more a well-oiled machine all around. Uh, so I, I was very surprised to see that. I mean, we it's no secret I hate Rudy Gobert, so maybe that little, little bias is coming out. He got a fourth-place vote and three fifth-place votes. Damian Lillard was behind those two, which I think is an absolute atrocity. It really shows you how MVP voting really just translates to, is your team good? Uh, so Lillard sitting in 13 out of the 15 that got votes in this poll. Jalen Brown at the very bottom of this list. I'm skipping number 14 for a reason. Jalen Brown at the very bottom of this list, he got one fifth place vote. Sounds like Dan Greenberg snuck a vote into this uh, into this ESPN straw poll. And don't worry, Jason Tatum on this list as well. He was 10. But man, number 14 with one fifth place vote. Freaking Mike Conley. So three Utah Jazz players got put onto this list. I don't know who they pulled on this, but it Mike Conley being ahead of Jalen Brown, and even just on this list in general, is a, is a joke. Uh, it's honestly just a joke. He's averaging 17, 4, and 6 if you round up nicely for him. And that's not bad. He's hurt right now, but that's still not bad. Those are good numbers. Just not MVP caliber numbers. Luka Doncic really getting disrespected on this list. No first or second place votes. Just two third place votes. The guy has been having a fantastic season it's just not his fault that the rest of his players can't help him out at all. Must be averaging somewhere in the high 20s of points per game and close to a triple-double. Tough to see for Doncic, but nonetheless. Um, nothing else really going on. I mean, this is the part of the year where kind of teams are playing hard. Not too much is in the news, even when a weird year like COVID. So which leads us 10 minutes in the show to already be ready to call up Dan and bring him on and start start the venting session on the Boston Celtics. So the rest of this pod is going to be dedicated to our favorite people, Danny Ainge, Kemba Walker, and our Brad Stevens. Br- Brad Stevens, I actually was forgetting him. Aaron Neesmith. But our favorite boy, Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> um, so once we get Dan on the line, we'll completely dive in. But we definitely have a good amount to discuss um, if you're not a fan of repetition, um, you might wanna you might wanna turn off for a little bit or fast forward because you're you're gonna be hearing a lot of things that you've probably heard uh, over the last few weeks. Um, hopefully, Dan picks up this time. He picked up for us last week. I was very very surprised, but um, maybe I should have <laughs> should have let him know. I that... did text I did text him like ten minutes ago and say get ready for a call in ten minutes. Yo. Hey, Dan, welcome back into the Cool Zone. How are we doing this evening, bud? Yo, what's up? All right, well, we're only 10 minutes in, and we're already ready to do our Celtics talking. So uh, I heard that you have some big thoughts on uh, what to say tonight. So uh, just like I did with you last week, tell me what's on your mind, bud. Well, I'm mad. Understandably you know, so. Really bad weekend. You lose big to uh, 
the terrible Detroit Pistons. You lose to the Washington Wizards. I mean, look, I know that they're not at full strength. Kemba still getting back. You know, he had a good game against Washington, whatever. But at the same time, I think Brad Stevens has to be held accountable. I I, I just feel like this team comes out at times where they're not ready or they're not energized. And I think the coach maybe is being tuned out mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay, so I'll I'll swoop in yeah. I'll swoop in here and uh, kind of echo some of your sentiments. I think the the beef that Brad Stevens is getting this year, and I think it's a one of the important things is what you brought up is energy. A lot of times they come out the gate slow, and yeah. it, it gives you the impression that maybe they're overlooking some of these other teams. I mean, we talked about the Pistons. It's not the first time they've lost to the Detroit Pistons, who have one of the worst records in the NBA. So. Maybe you have a situation where guys are overlooking them and other teams that they're playing and think that they don't need to come out with a high energy and high octane offense and particularly also defense, you know, having a good defensive intensity. Maybe they're overlooking them in that sense and that's leading to why they are down in these games where they should be up big. So uh, let's just look at the past week. We, we talked about last week. What did they need to do over these the last four games? The Jazz, the Raptors, the Pistons, and the Wizards. And we said three and one. Need to be three and one. And you know what we got? We got the, the exact opposite. We got one and three. They dropped the game to the Jazz as expected. Uh, I don't think there was any doubt in anybody's mind that that was going to happen. They got outplayed in almost every facet except for three-point shooting. And they just could not pull it together in that one. They really lost the game in the third quarter. And then in back home, in their first home game, they looked good. They looked good against Toronto. Specifically, Semi Ojale. 24 points for Semi Ojale in this game. He was on fire. Celtics shot 51% from three in this game. Out-rebounded Toronto by 17. Had 30 assists. They had 18 turnovers, which are becoming a problem. They're starting to average like 15 to 20 turnovers somewhere in that range a game. Not good. It's just the, it's the beginning, of the tip of the iceberg for Celtics issues in this game. Jalen Brown had 10 assists. He didn't score much in this game, but he dished the ball really well. I mean, if Ojale is going to have 24 points, somebody's got to be passing in the ball because he's not creating his own shot. Tristan Thompson led in with 11 rebounds. It was a good game. They won by 14. There's a win that you needed. You know, you kind of came in. You said, hey, the Raptors, the record's not great, but they've been playing better. This is a game you need to win, just like the next two. And they did. And then Detroit came in and pissed on them. Absolutely pissed on them. And uh, one of the, the leading factors in this game was the NBA Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Uh, John, can you tell me who won Eastern Conference Player of the Week? Uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week for the eighth week of the year 2021. That would be the 19th overall pick in the 2020 NBA Draft. Sadiq Bay, sophomore forward, guard combo out of Villanova University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That was very professionally done. 
Thank you. Like very well done. The fact I, I, you knew all of that. It was like I was watching him get drafted after Aaron Eastsmith. Ah, you watched him get drafted five picks after Aaron Eastsmith. For sure. So Sadiq Bay dropped thirty points and twelve boards on the Celtics in this game. It, it's just unacceptable. And not only is it unacceptable, but looking at your roster, like we just mentioned, and seeing the likes of Aaron Neesmith, the best shooter in the draft, watching him get taken five picks before this guy, has Aaron Neesmith won an Eastern Conference Player of the Week? Aaron Neesmith? I mean, this guy might win Eastern Conference Worst Player of the Week, (laughs) like Least Player of the Week. I mean, this—he's awful. Do you wanna? Do you have it? Do you want to? Do you want to go into his stats now, or all right? He—he he did play, so he got some real run uh, this weekend. All right, folks, it's that—it's your favorite time of the show. Oh my God. Here we go. It's the Aaron Neesmith stat line review of the week. <laughs> so we start—we start this week's edition in Utah, where Aaron Neesmith saw. Zero minutes with a DNP coach's decision. Let's Shout out go. to Aaron e. Smith. First player in the gym by uh, quoted by Brad Stevens. He's the first player in the gym every day. DNP coach's decision in Utah. Great game for him there. We come back home to Boston. We just talked about the game against Toronto. Aaron e. Smith. Two minutes. Zero of zero. So very efficient shooting. Did not miss a single shot. And I'm looking for anything to see here. One assist, a minus four overall. Two minutes and five seconds of game time to be exact. Hey! Didn't miss a single shot. Didn't miss a single shot. We got to take the positives, okay? He's, he's He just needs time. Then, then we bring in the Pistons. Who came in and, like I said, they pissed all over the Celtics, who just absolutely sucked up the joint in this one. Let's go to Aaron Neesmith. Let's see. Looks like Aaron Neesmith has a fat goose egg. Another DNP coach decision. That's my lottery pick. Listen, I think the DNP coach's decision is the secret to success in the NBA. I mean, it, everyone knows the less you play, the better you get. Right. The less time you get on the court, the less people can say. Man, this guy sucks because it's not like he did anything bad. Yeah, I agree. They're, they'll say he just needs time. If you're not missing shots on the court, you're not turning the ball over, you're not missing free throws, you're not f- committing fouls, and your plus minus isn't plummeting negative, giving up points, then you have to be a god. You have to be one of the best players in your I roster, mean, it's right? it's true. You, sitting here in your basement... Correct. No one knows in the NBA whether you're a good shooter or not because oh. you've never played before. Well, you you could be a dead eye if for they, all we know. If they if they played with me, they know I'm a, I'm a dead eye. That's yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. But right. they don't know. It's they the same know. with Aaron Neesmith. Nobody knows. All right, and the last game in DC, Aaron Neesmith, and this 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 folks is some good stuff, like mwah, chef kiss stuff. Aaron Neesmith. 28 minutes and 39 seconds. Oh you That's more than half a game. You uh, Listen, I think if you combine his past, like, dozen games, I don't think he totals up how many minutes he played against the Wizards. 28 minutes and 39 seconds. Dan, I want you to take a guess. Uh, yeah. An NBA player 
who was touted as the best shooter in the draft. Yep. He plays 28 minutes in a game. How many how many shots do you think he attempts? You know, he should take like eight, nine. Yeah, I was thinking somewhere between yeah, like eight and say eleven. Double digits, maybe. If he's the best shooter in the draft, like well, you want him I mean, every time down the, the court, shooter, you probably yeah, would ten. think a guy like that would probably take around anywhere between five and seven threes, and then maybe have a couple layups here and there. Yeah. Just you know, because I mean, stuff. when yeah. you're the best shooter in the draft, they're gonna play you up hard on the line so that's gonna open up the lane for you yeah they're gonna get you open off you know off ball screens and get you open to shoot because you got the best shot in the draft so right uh, so we said about close to double digits you said around eight nine shots uh so let's see if our our boy aaron Smith, who's an nba player best shooter in the draft lottery pick lottery pick let's see if uh in 28 minutes and 39 seconds he gets to what we think is is normal for an nba player in this caliber in these minutes uh, looks like one of four, so he took four shots. He hit one. That's twenty five percent. Can someone tell me whether twenty five percent from the field is a good or not? Anybody know? Uh, I don't watch basketball. I don't know. I mean, twenty five percent. It's better than zero. R- that is so true. So that's got to be good. You, you got a point. You got a point. I mean that that has to be good. All right, so let's. And that's also 25% from three. Right? That, I mean, that's got to be good. Right? And two of three from the line. So that's 66.7% from the line. 66 from the free throw line? I mean... For the best shooter in a draft. Best shooter in a draft. That's pretty good. Now, listen. 66% from the free throw line. That's so much better than 25% from the field, the three-point line. That means, like, it was just a fluke game. Those numbers will level out. I mean, like, it has to. And five rebounds. I mean, this guy, fundamentals. He boxed out in this game. I mean, Modern-day Bill Russell, I would say. I would agree. Um, one turnover, that's probably somebody else's fault. And an overall, a plus 10. Plus 10. That's pretty good. That it's means I mean, get, we've been asking for Aaron Nesman to get some run. And he got some run. And he was a plus 10. He should have been on the court for 48 minutes. He probably would have been a plus 30. They would have won the game. Can you argue me? I don't think you can. Can't. Can't argue. All right. Well, that was exhausting. That was your Aaron Nesmith stat sheet (laughs) review of the week. We had two DNP coaches' decisions bringing our total to 14. 14 of the Celtics' 26 games. That is over 50% DNP coaches' decisions. But at least 28 minutes in the Wizards game should be an indicator of what is to come in the future. Hopefully they will continue to give him some runs so we can see some beautiful box scores. Can I uh, can I add a stat? Bef- this is just a stat. Before I get into the gist of my complaints and whatnot, Sure. Aaron Neesmith, okay? Best shooter in the draft, offensive stud. Okay, offensive stud. Yeah. Per 100 possessions. Yeah. His offensive rating, according to Basketball Reference, shout out. Is do you want to take a guess? Oh, I know it, but DS, do you know it? Uh, I do not. <clears throat> well, okay. well, 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 well I, I'm very curious. I want him to. I want him to see. Okay. I'll so, tell you this though. Okay before, okay. before you guess, okay, the average, the average offensive rating in the NBA per 100 possessions. Is one hundred and eleven. 
111 for the average player. Okay. So, DS, with that in mind, you know, just spitball a number, you know. What are you thinking? Uh... Twenty. Okay, twenty. <laughs> That's, That's a little I, low. I think. I I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Is it? That would mean that for a hundred possessions when he's on the court, they would score twenty points. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I knew this too. I I saw his his uh, his player efficiency rating. I I saw it was uh, the one not per one hundred possessions. I think I just saw that. The overall, because it was 2.2. So that's the number that I have in. So when he said 20, I was like, oh, it's way over. Yeah. I so, have it. Okay. It is 85. Oh, boy. 85. So that's still that's still awful, right? That is awful. Awful. The so, average is 111. Oh. So he is 20, 26. 26, yeah. 26 per 100 possessions when he's on the court worse than the average NBA player. 26 points. That's very bad. And I know Basketball Reference also says just his his PR in general uh, is last on the team. Dead last. Not even worse than Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards or Javante Green or Jeff Teague. Dead last. I'll, uh, I'll tell you this. When it comes to the Celtics for offensive ratings, Aaron Neesmith is second to last at 85. Only Tremont Waters at 82 is worse. Taco Fall is actually first at 131. I mean, he's the best player in the roster. Yes. And, but don't worry, for Aaron Neesmith's defensive rating is actually the highest on the team at 116. Holy shit. So, Aaron Neesmith is the second worst offensive player and the worst defensive player on the team. Well, I mean, it just makes sense. We drafted this guy for his defense, right? And for a shot, because he's the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, but more so for his defense. Yeah, three and D. Three and D. Yeah. Three and D. Danny Ainge just gets... Oh, I swear, dude. He gets lucky in those late picks. He he can draft top talent, but in the late late first round, second round, he can... You know, he, he gets lucky. That's it. All right. That's well, it. I think that officially wraps up our... Weekly Aaron ne- Aaron Neesmith stat sheet review of the week. Uh, can't wait to see what he does this next week. I think he's going to wake up feeling dangerous these next games. Yes, sir. And they play Denver tomorrow night. So, uh, <laughs> it's time to go to court. It's time to walk into the courtroom. We, uh, we are suing, hypothetically and figuratively, we are suing Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, and the Celtics for rah, rah, rah. for an under par at, as an understatement of a season so far. I am now turning it over to the prosecution who is ready to list his filing of complaints. So take it away. What do you got? Okay, so I'm going to start with Danny Ainge. This guy, he he needs to get criticism he needs to his seat needs to start getting hot i want to compare this to so in uh in my mom's car there she has the heated seats and you can go one through five one being like 
warm and then five being like pretty hot like, all right well hold on we gotta talk about that your your seat warmers go one to five yeah why what do yours go to i think three that's incredible uh, tough that's a lot that's a, wow that's a great i comment. put danny ainge right now at a three and it is trending up it's trending up and he, this is the biggest trade deadline for him maybe ever so let me let me ask you this. I'll, I'll play a little. I'll play a little. I'll play a little devil's advocate. So out of five, you gave him a three. Why didn't you give him a four or a five? Because he still has time. If he makes no moves at the mm. at the deadline, then he goes up to a four definitely. You know who else still has time? Neesmith. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Interesting how that works. Huh? But let me start. Okay. Go ahead. The Celtics. They had all these picks. Danny refused to trade basically any of them. Okay, and the one that he did trade, I have John's in the chat, like Lil Mike, telling me, well, you know, maybe he doesn't want to trade it because that pick ended up turning into Colin Sexton. You know what my answer to that is? Okay, so it turned into Colin Sexton. When you trade those picks, you get established help. So I'm thinking of someone that moved last offseason. And what comes to mind for me? Dennis Schroeder moved to the Lakers for a pick and Danny Green. I'm pretty sure that was the trade. Yeah. And it was not, like, a good pick either, I don't think. So, the Celtics, they got Peyton Pritchard as their backup point guard. He's okay. They got Jeff Teague, who's trash. Okay? So, in this hypothetical trade, the Celtics trade... The OKC trades Dennis Schroeder to the Celtics. The Celtics trade the pick that becomes Aaron Neesmith. Except, I'll even give Lil Mike the credit. Let's say the pick becomes Colin Sexton. So, OKC, in this scenario, is Colin Sexton, and the Celtics have Dennis Schroeder. What would you rather have? OKC have Colin Sexton and the Celtics have Dennis Schroeder as their backup point guard? Or the Celtics keep the pick and they have Aaron Neesmith and that's it? What would you rather have? DS, I think uh, you can take that one. Uh, repeat? Okay. <laughs> I, okay, the I mean, answer is you want... Like, you want look, this when, you don't, lot, bro. when you don't trade the picks, okay, that's fine. Yeah. But don't say, well, they didn't trade the pick. The time they did trade the pick, it turned to Colin Sexton. Okay. Like, when you trade the picks, you're getting established help. So the pick turns into someone. Okay. You look back at it and say, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have traded that pick. We should have held on to it. But at least we got a guy that can actually play. When you hold on to the picks and you draft Romeo Langford, who's made of glass, and Aaron Neesmith, who's one of the worst players in the league in back-to-back drafts, you deserve to get crucified. In my opinion, that, crucified. Yeah, that is a risk I am willing to take. Like, yeah, if you get burned, you get burned. Like Kyrie, you got burned. But I will take that risk. Right, I agree. I like, think there's more risk with a pick than there is with something like Kyrie. Because that, when exactly, you trade yeah. the pick, you get in a, you get someone that you know is going to be able to play at the NBA level because it's an established talent. So just to clarify off the Dennis Schroeder a metaphor you made, so they, uh, the Lakers acquired Dennis Schroeder from Oklahoma City for Danny Green, and they're calling it the draft rights to Jaden McDaniels as just the pick that became Jaden McDaniels, and that was like a very late first-round pick, if not early second-round. So I, I do you think they def- the Celtics definitely could have made that trade with the Neesmith pick? Oh, yeah, for sure, easily. bro. Oh, like it, I, it probably would have been one of the easiest deals they could have made. Imagine having Dennis Schroeder on this team. He'd be the perfect, maybe a perfect backup point guard, and yeah. be able to start when Kemba wasn't playing. Jaden McDaniels was the twenty eighth pick in the draft. 
I mean, tell me the Celtics couldn't. So the Celtics hold on to the pick and they draft Aaron Neesmith, who I'll have you know, Danny Ainge said, and I quote, Danny Ainge on Aaron Neesmith. This is draft night. He could outshoot most of our guys right now. Well, Jason Tatum might have something to say about that. In quotations, laughs. End quote. I'll give you a little uh, secret, okay? Aaron Neesmith is the third worst three-point shooter on the team between Tremont Waters, who belongs in Europe, and Javante Green, who literally was in Europe for seven years. That's where Aaron Nees- That's the only two players Aaron Neesmith is shooting better than. That shoot threes. That's it. That's it. And if we're being honest, those two shouldn't even qualify. They're not. They're really not NBA players. Shooters. They're not NBA players. No. Javante Green and Tremont Waters are not NBA players. I I wonder how many. I wonder how many teams in the league that they would be able to actually have a roster spot on. Oh, I mean, on a team that is supposed to be a borderline title contender, I would hope zero. Oh, I just meant in general. I don't even. I don't know if there are even a lot of teams. Like, I mean, they'd be really good on a team if you're trying to lose. Well, for sure. But, I mean, I look at a team, again, just making this reference out of knowledge of it, I, I look at a tanky team like OKC, and I don't I don't see anybody in OKC I'd rather give up right. for those two All guys. Right. So, I'm going to – these are Danny Ainge's last few picks. I'm going to I'm gonna give you some names, okay? And sure. you tell me how you feel about them. Yeah. Okay? 2021, round one, pick 14, Aaron Neesmith. Dog shit. Dan? Dog shit. Okay. Copied. 2021, round one, pick 30, which he traded to Memphis, Desmond Bain, who I'll have you know is shooting 48% on threes on 4.8 threes a night. I was really upset that they ended up trading this Desmond Bain is the best shooter in the draft. Yeah, I was really upset that they traded this pick because I actually was really excited when I started looking him up. Um, Who would you rather have, Desmond Bain or Aaron Neesmith? I mean, given everything, obviously it's Desmond Bain. I before the draft, would you have said the same thing though? I mean, I didn't really. If know you had Aaron to choose, Neesmith, but I'll tell you this on Neesmith, okay? I heard a stat today on the radio. Neesmith, his sophomore, his freshman year at Vanderbilt. Shot 33% from three. Uh-huh. His sophomore year, when he shot 52% from three in the 10 games against Dogwater competition. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. 10 games, 52%. 33% over a full season in his freshman year. Is Aaron Neesmith more of the 33% shooter than the 52% shooter? Because he's uh, shooting 30% from three now. Well, I think certainly... Uh, I yeah. think certainly right now... You definitely are saying, yeah, this guy is more of that 33%, if not even worse. Yes. Definitely uh, not confident. My, my, only, uh, my only concern about the, the Desmond Bain thing is I don't think in that situation on draft night you say to yourself, oh, like, they should have taken Desmond right. Bain. It, I, mean, I still think that they should have. Because what did they trade that pick for? They traded it for a future second round pick, I think. So a future second round pick, what the hell is that going to do? I think it, it might. It and this is for Ryan. More than that. This is for Ryan. Shut the hell up about second round picks. Garbage. Second round picks don't do anything. They mean nothing, especially when you're a good team. And that's it. All I got to say about second round. That would be a Ryan fixing to sports. Now, I'm going to give you three names. Yeah. Okay. 
tell me who you would have of these three people. Who's the be- Who's been the best NBA player, or who's, who's the best NBA player? Okay. So out of these three side. names, sure. Romeo Langford, Matisse Thybul, Grant Williams. Oh, that's Matisse Thybul. Yeah, Thybul. Well, good luck. Good job, Danny Ainge, because you kept Romeo Langford and Grant Williams and you traded away Matisse Thibel. And what pick was Matisse Thibel? Matisse Thibel was the 20th pick. And what were the other two? Romeo Langford was 14 and Grant Williams was 22. Yikes. You traded, You kept the first and the last and you traded the middle and the middle was the best one. What was the... Do you remember what the rep was on Matisse Thibel? It was the Milwaukee's pick the next year which turned out to be the 30th pick which turned into Desmond Brain which then you traded again for the second round pick. Sheesh. And what was like the scouting report on Thibel? Was it was it 3 and D? And I I I only I asked that cuz it's like what was the what was the report on Romeo Langford? I don't remember him being all fresh, that great. He was a freshman. That's what it was. And was the same thing with Grant Williams. I don't remember these guys Grant ever Grant Williams was a Solid college player. Yeah, but he he's just, like a four-year guy, he's right? A, uh, three years, three? I believe. Uh, Thibel was a four-year guy at Washington, though. I'm just trying to think in the moment. Would it have been like? Could you have made a, a a decision given everything that you've seen from them in college to say, "Oh man, they should have taken him in that moment." Obviously, it, now it's super obvious that they should have. Should have kept Bain. They should have taken Thibault and not traded him away, right? But I, I'm just curious, thinking in the moment, did they really miss by thinking that those two, like, was there is there enough logic to support in the moment taking uh, or keeping Matisse Thibault over the other two? And I think yes. And I, I think and, yes. and I think there is just Can because of why? how little there was. Can about, I tell you why? Okay. Because you know Matisse Thibel is a guard. You mm-hmm. know he's a bit a a bigger ish guard who's known for his defense. But coming in day one, being a above average to a borderline elite defender on the ball, and at this point in late June of 2019, Danny Ainge has to have an inkling that Kyrie is gone, and he also has to have an inkling that he has a real shot to land Kemba Walker at this point in late June 2019. Because the free agency this. goes down, and the, sec- in the next week the free agency goes down. Yep, I know exactly where you're going with it. There's no way Danny Ainge didn't know Kyrie was either gone, and he was going to have a real shot to get Kemba Walker, who you know is a below-sized, bad defensive player no matter what. So why not offset him with a defensive-minded, elite, on-ball defender in the draft? Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense when you lay it out like that. Um, DS, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Danny has, uh, whether or not he intended to, he kind of left the team out to dry. Like, their depth is lacking big time. And again, like Johnson said, like, they can't draft well beyond uh, the lottery and... Well, no, beyond the high lottery. Yeah. Sorry? Behind beyond, the high beyond lottery. Beyond the high lottery, because they can't draft in the late lottery. 
Well, yeah. So yeah. my question, um, just this kind of just dawned upon me. Um, Carson Edwards, where, where, what, what point of the draft was he? He was mistaken? second round. I believe uh, he was thirty yeah. second or thirty. So he was a very early second late. rounder. He was late. Yeah, early second. I'm very yeah. curious as to who else was available. Um, give me a sec. At this time, because I mean, you're looking at Carson Edwards. That's another undersized guard. I'm now thinking about it. I'm looking at this roster. And I'm seeing Peyton Pritchard. I'm seeing Carson Edwards. And Kemba... Uh, I, I think I already... Oh, did I say Kemba? Kemba, Peyton, Carson, Carson Edwards, Edwards went Tremont thir- Waters. Carson Edwards went 33. Okay. And do me a favor and find me who else is around this time. Because the point that I'm trying to make here is... That is so many undersized guards. Yeah. Like, Smart can obviously do the job wherever you need to go. And in all things considered, Javante Green has the, – the bright spot on him has been his defense and athleticism. But it hasn't been enough to really warrant any positive uh, positive spotlight. I mean, honestly, it, in the Celtics' benefit here, I, I don't see a ton of players that do anything. I mean, Taylor – Taylor Horton Tucker – I think he starts sometimes for the Lakers. Uh, he went at 46. What about Eric Paschal? I think that that was the case of a guy that was on an awful team last year. And I don't even think he really plays that much this year. Mm. I also see Isaiah Roby. I'm obviously biased. But, all right, I mean, that's fair. I was just curious if they might have, you know, had their options pretty slimmed down um, at that pick as well. Just kind of diving into some of the past decisions here in uh, the GM's office for the Celtics. All right, well, what's what's next on the list? What else do you got? Brad Stevens is next on my list. And oh, yeah. This dude won. He can't, he can't control NBA yes. talent. But, I mean, so egos. B- before, before you even go into egos, the one thing I want to make um, that you just reminded me by bringing up Brad Stevens. So it really feels like... And I, I think it's I think it's true. I don't think it just feels like it. But so the way that, I hate the way that he runs his rotations with Brown and Tatum because they all start together and then really early on one of Tatum or Brown I think it's usually Tatum goes to the bench and Brown stays in with some other people and he brings in some bench players. But Brown and Tatum like don't see the court together all that much except for to start the game, to end the game, and then various small overlapping points throughout the game. And it is that right there is making it so blatantly even more obvious how bad the depth is on this team. Now, and the thing is, I don't necessarily know if them playing more together, which would probably mean them both being off at the same time, I'm guessing that rotation is because they know that they can't have them both sitting out at the same time. Because who the hell is going to run that team? Uh, This is my gripe with Brad Stevens. Okay? So, yes, you've had injuries this year. But every team has injuries. I see his rotations. Now he's starting Semi. Next game he's starting Theus. Then he's starting Thompson. Thompson coming off the bench. Then he's starting Carson Edwards. 
Then Carson Edwards got a DMP coach decision. Then he started Tremont Waters. Then Tremont Waters got a DMP coach decision. Then Semi started. Semi's getting DMP coach decision. Grant Williams. Uh, Grant Williams. I see him down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I see him come in the game only in the second half. I see him start sometimes. The Celtics outside of Tatum, uh, Brown, and really Kemba, I guess when he plays, and Smart. Yeah, when they all play. Uh, everyone else, it's like these misfit combinations of guys. He either goes Grant Williams this game, then he goes Semi the next game, then he goes Carson Edwards this game, Peyton Pritchard this game. He just throws everything against the wall, and he's looking for something to stick. And nothing stuck because they're all trash. Was the worst lineup ever? Was was that when they put Theus and Tristan Thompson? At they the same uh, he's time? probably gonna go back to that because Semi Ojale, I'll have you know, against Washington was a minus twenty nine. Oh my god! A minus twenty nine against the worst team. Oh, yeah. I mean, just Semi Ojale is. I I mean, I want him to be good. He has that game against Toronto where you're like, wow, this guy might actually, you know, he might be a real rotational piece. Oh, that was a fluke game. But at the end of the day, Semi Ojale has been in the league for three years. or f- This is fourth year. Semi Ojale is a 10th or 9th man on a rotation at best. At best. That's what he is. He's a borderline second unit player. Probably bench warmer. That's what Semi Ojale is. Because he's a, he's a streaky and mainly unreliable shooter. He offers you size on the defensive end, but he's not really mobile laterally. And it's not like he's particularly strong. Uh, he's not a particularly strong rebounder or passer. So it really just kind of feels like he's a big body that you tried to train to shoot the ball well when you need somebody to hit shots. And if we're being honest, I feel like Grant Williams and Semi Ojale are the exact same player. They're just chunky, three and D guys that play the same style of basketball. They put out the same results. Grant Williams might be a better shooter. And at that point, why the hell keep Ojale around? So I, I I couldn't agree more. I I never understood why Ojale ever got so much run over the past few years. There's the Giannis stopper, but yeah. Well... I guess you stop Giannis a few times and you get 20-plus minutes a game. All right, Dan, uh, I, I know you're not, a, uh, you're not a big Brad guy. Why don't you give your, uh, your little Brad rant? I mean, I feel like Brad, he's it's been, what, seven, eight, eight years? I mean, he can get a lot out of guys. But at the same time, like, Brown and Tatum, they are the pinnacle right now. Like, those are your guys. And I don't think that he really connects, and I think they need a better voice. I'm not saying fire Brad, like, right now, but if they keep floundering, they're 500 right now. I mean, come on. So the only thing the only thing I want to say about Brad is just dude, you know, the only thing I want to add is I he, I, I want to make yeah. sure that we uh, we we make sure to remind ourselves 
How much can you really expect with this roster? Well, can I, what? How, like, wait, when DS brings up, I, when DS I said brings, that earlier, yeah, but but like when when DS brings up, like he can get, you know, he's having trouble getting a lot out of his guys. How much can you really expect out of even guys like Theus Thompson, Osley, um, well, that time Lord that, those that all falls on Ainge. That's Ainge. I get that. Right, no. But, it, that's why I think it's more so an Ainge thing. Because it's not like he's giving Brad a lot of options but, to go to. Can I, my thing with Stevens, which worries me, yeah. is that I think it's hard for players in the NBA, especially now that it's such a player's league, by far of all the major sports is the biggest play, the players drive the market in the NBA... And I worry that Brad Stevens from Indiana, he played a D3 college. He can't relate to the modern NBA player because he basically yeah. had the same upbringing as us. He relates so much more in in his culture, in his upbringing. It's, it's basically like you threw one of us that was really good, sneaky, pretty good at basketball, and made us an NBA coach in the sense of trying to relate upbringings, if you know what I'm saying. And okay. I think in the NBA, that really matters. matters. Wow. Okay. DS, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Brad is a... Like, Brad is a great college coach, obviously. Like, he proved that, but... In the NBA, I think he can be good, but can he get you over the top? Can he be like a true manager of egos? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah. it just seems like there's like a disconnect uh, somewhere. I don't know where exactly, if it's Ainge or Brad, but it's there. I also think that Brad Stevens, you mentioned he's a really good college coach, and he was really overachieving with like the the bridge the bridge Celtics from a few years ago with like Isaiah Thomas yep. and Jay Crowder. You know why? Because those guys they were all a bunch of you know journeymen misfit types. They were all trying to prove themselves, like basically like college kids to try and prove themselves and make a name for themselves as as basketball players. And Brad's really good at that. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker don't need the coach to help them make a name for themselves. They're established stars in the league, especially Tatum, especially Kemba, and now Brown is ascending to that point. And I just don't know if Brad... Brad isn't... I don't think Brad is the type of guy because I don't know if, if Tatum, Brown, Kemba would... If, if Brad Stevens got up in the face of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and screamed at them and told them to get back to work, do you think they would listen to him the same as Doc Rivers, or do you think they might roll their eyes at Brad Stevens less so than someone like Doc Rivers? Hmm. Roll their eyes. Like, I don't think Brad Stevens can walk into a room of NBA players and just demand respect. He does, Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I don't think he has a very commanding presence. Uh, I guess I'm just trying to gauge how much that matters 
and particularly to this team. Um, not that it, not that it doesn't at all. I think obviously in every team, in every situation, it matters to an extent. I'm just because every team's every team's dynamic is obviously different because, like you talk about egos, but um, I think there's definitely cause for concern. Uh, I just would personally prefer to angle all of my complaints and frustrations for the most part, except for the really specific ones that relate to Stevens. I'd rather mine are more angled at Danny Ainge. I mean, I Danny. So if you want my take on the seat warmer, yeah. Brad is is at a one with the finger on the trigger to put it to two. Danny Ainge is at a three with the finger on the trigger to put it to four. I was thinking more four and two, but. I mean, I, I have him at three and one, but closing in on two and four. So basically the same. Yeah. Okay. DS thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I I blame both. Like Ainge has fucked up. Brad, I think, has fucked up too. I think Brad can't relate to the players, like uh, y'all said. But Danny. I think Danny needs to like whether it's uh, by the trade deadline or so. Yeah, let's the let's let's, let's talk about that trade something. deadline. Let's talk because, about yeah. Let's talk about the trade deadline, Jonathan. Is that is that one of your next March twenty fifth? Um, biggest trade deadline for Danny Ainge in a yep. long time, if not ever, because most most of the moves he makes historically. Are during the off season, mm-hmm. or during the draft, he like Garnett. Then he traded out the big three. The draft, Kyrie was over the summer. He isn't really known for making moves during the season, but this this is huge. And the problem is though, is you have trade exception, who we all know and we love. He needs to get some run. But you have to package him with someone that another team is going to want. And I look up and down the roster, and who wants Romeo Langford, who's made of glass? Who wants Aaron Neesmith, the best shooter in the draft, that shoots 30% from three? Who wants Semi Ogilvy? Who wants Grant Williams? Who wants Time Ward? And I come to the conclusion that not many people want any of those players. I... I wonder, so I think when we talk about trade deadline stuff, and I I think we mentioned it, um, we've mentioned it in past weeks, and I've even mentioned it on past pods, but when I listen to people talk about who they think the Celtics can get, and the list of people they think that they should go after, and I hear these names, like Nikola Vucevic, and and Harrison Barnes, and John Collins. And I just think of the point that you just made. There is no way they put together any package that is somewhat enticing for those teams to act upon. In any of these scenarios, the problem with these people that throw out these names is you go, well, then you probably have to move Marcus Smart. No, 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 no. Marcus Smart's the captain. Marcus Mm -hmm. Smart's the glue guy, bro. This guy's going to help you win a championship. Marcus Smart, he's untouchable. You know, he's like Jay. I would, uh, the untouchables are Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart. 
Well, buddy, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are playing at two all-NBA levels. Marcus Smart comes off the bench mm-hmm. on a good team. I would say that they probably, that's got to be their last resort. I don't necessarily want to trade Smart. I think he does provide a lot of intangibles to the team. But you agree that, but, that people overrate Oh, for value. sure, for sure. I just think yeah. that what it, what realistically is is adding Marcus Smart going to get you a Vucevic, going to get you a Barnes, maybe, maybe, and that's as much as I'll go. Is it going to get you a Collins? No. The report just came out that the the the, the Hawks are seeking like a high lottery like first round pick for John Collins. I think that pretty much eliminates any Boston Celtic involvement in that player. And I think that in Vucevic, that, that train has to be dead. Well, you know so what? You my, know, my, can, I, can I say something? Yeah. Okay. You say the, the Hawks are looking for a potential high lottery piece or pick or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, guess who three years ago had two picks that people thought were going to be in the high lottery and could have made a move for a John Collins-esque player three years ago, but he held on to the picks, and they turned out to be Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesman. Well, that'd be our new best friend, Danny Ainge. That would be Danny Ainge. We're going to have to name... We're going to have to retitle this episode The Hot Zone. So you say, like, they don't have enough to get a John Collins, which I agree. Yeah. They probably had enough to get John Collins three years ago in the picks that turned out to be bums. Yep. So... My, not concern, but my my thinking here is if the Celtics make a trade, they're going to have to give up talent that's ceiling is probably higher than the player that they get in return is playing at right now. Meaning, I think they're going to have to get kind of more of the aged veteran type of guys that aren't really that good because like we said they don't have a lot to offer so they're going to have to offer guys like Langford and maybe and Robert Williams I think those are probably your best two pieces to package because let's face it I don't think many teams are really interested in Nesmith and the rest of the guys are an absolute joke as far as trade value whether it's because Teague and Thompson are old or the rest of them have been around the NBA long enough that they just don't have any trade value. I think Langford, just because he hasn't played as much, and even though Aaron Nesmith hasn't played much, I just feel like the Celtics probably are going to hold on to him and not want to trade him for anything. So I think Langford and, and, and Time Lord are the way to, to kind of peruse through the trade market. But those guys' ceilings, I mean, you're probably going to have to trade for somebody who's established but, like, worse than, like, the best-case scenario those two between Langford and Williams could turn into. And I, I'm I'm thinking of people, and, and uh, we talked about Thad Young. I mentioned George Hill. I'm starting to wonder if even those guys are too good. Ugh. And I think it's close. You might, but it all really comes down to, like, the teams, the landscape of the team they're trying to trade with. So Chicago and OKC, they're tanking. Uh but, well, maybe more so Oklahoma City. That's probably one of your best bet. If you can try and say, hey, listen, Romeo Langford and Robert Williams, you guys don't really have a lot of bigs in OKC. You got what? You had Isaiah Roby, who's like 6'8". You got Al Horford, who's old. 
You got Moses Brown, who's in G League, right? Muscala. And Muscala, future, who's, who's future not... Future Celtic Muscala, because that's what you're going to get. He's not, you know, you know, Muscala, he's not a big man. He's not going to be down low. Maybe you say, hey, listen, here's a young guy. Take Robert Williams and take Romeo Langford, and maybe you can get, maybe you can get George Hill or Mike Muscala or somehow maybe both. I don't know how you pull that off. Maybe throw in a pick or two, because you know Sam Presti wants his first-round picks. Might be doo-doo. But hey, maybe you throw in that first round pick or two. Probably not two. Probably one. I'm thinking a first round pick, Robert Williams and Romeo Langford for George Hill and Mike Muscala. I think that benefits the Celtics. Now, problem still remains. You got Daniel Theus and Tristan Thompson. I think Mike Muscala is a better Daniel Theus just because his offensive ability is much higher. Daniel Theus is good at blocking. I don't think he's good at defense. He's a he's a nice backup center. That's yeah. what he is. I, I hate that they have three centers. I like I hate it. I would I would I would love it if they traded Daniel Theus. I don't think he brings enough to this team to make any impact. If you can package Theus in a deal too, I just worry about anybody wanting that guy. Now, did I think he's supposed to be an expiring contract. Is he, he not? Is, a, he's he, a free agent after this year. So I you should be if, looking to deal him. I, I believe he's an unrestricted. I don't know what he is because he was an undrafted international guy. So I don't know if they have his if he's a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent after the year. Um, but while you're looking this up and we're going off on Ainge, I'm going to read you. This is some quotes from Danny Ainge just today. Monday, February 15th. Danny Ainge said today, quote, I don't think it's rock bottom because we're not healthy. We're not playing well and we're young, Ainge added. Rock bottom would be if we expected to win a playoff series and lost to a team we were supposed to beat. That would be rock bottom. You're a couple games for not even getting a chance to make it to a playoff series. Was in the bubble... Did he just describe Rock Rock Bottom in the bubble? Because they were expected to beat the Heat. The Heat were the five seed. The Celtics were the three seed. Mm -hmm. The Celtics were the favorite in the series. And they lost, and that's okay. But by Danny's description, they hit Rock Bottom in the bubble, and they lost Gordon Hayward, and he did nothing, except at a trade exception, when he could have possibly moved for Miles Turner and Doug McDermott, which was reported. But he sat and waited... Because, as I've said before, Danny Ainge has to outsmart everyone when he makes a trade. He can't make a trade and have it be an A for the other team and a B for his team. It has to be an A for his team and an F for the other team. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine having Miles Turner on your team? Miles Turner is going to finish top five deep play this year. Not having Tristan Thompson. You and then maybe the trade deadline, you get rid of Robert Williams and Romeo Langford. You try and get an aging veteran who can score for some depth, and you run, you run Theus and Miles Turner. Miles Turner would one hundred percent, at worst, be at worst, fourth best player on the team right now. I I think he's probably and maybe third. even above Kemba. I I think he would definitely be about Kemba as far as value. I know they they're two different yeah, yeah. they're two different positions, <laughs> but you look at what Kemba's doing right now. How can you say Kemba is be playing better than Miles Turner? No, I know you can't. I know. Yeah. So he is the third best. He would be the third best I player know. in the team. I'm not trying to convince you, DS. 
We know you're a chemo guy, DS. You're just gonna have to take it. <laughs> yeah. And also, Ains said this to end his quote. He said, "Quote: Just changing faces doesn't always change things, but it may have to come to that." End quote. That to me is really worrisome. The just changing faces doesn't always change things. That sounds like someone hedging their bets in case they don't make a move at the deadline. Mm. To me. Yeah. Uh, I I still see a lot of uncertainty or uncertainty. Uncertainty. He's got a tough quote. he's got a tough, tough, tough job ahead. But does he really just do something? Something. Well the problem is that he's done nothing for so long. Right. That I listen, I would rather him take take a gamble, make a trade because listen, get losing some of these bums on this team. Whatever, that's not going to be the problem. But take a gamble. Use some of this slightly average. I almost said above, but it's really average. Young talent. Try and take a gamble on somebody to bring in and see if it works out. Because doing that, you're going to be. And if it even if it doesn't work out, it's not like you're going to be worse off. It's not like losing Robert Williams, Romeo Langford is going to make you worse. Yeah, and, Even, you're not going to be worse off. You're just going to be exactly where you would be if you did nothing. And you're going to have to make a trade because, as long as you keep meddling at five at five hundred, and you're in Boston, which hurts you for free agents, a bio market which is actually expected to be pretty good, you're going to get no one. If you're five hundred and you're Boston, I'm sorry, but. A Blake Griffin of the world that gets bought out, or Andre Drummond hypothetically if they get bought out, they don't come to the Cel- a five hundred Celtics team. No way, they're going to a contender to try to win a ring. They're ring chasing. Yeah, and I I just think the the roster depth would not fit. Um, I don't think that would definitely fit. The I don't think Blake Griffin would fit in the Celtics at all. Yeah, but I if the I don't think they're as long as they're around five hundred, they're going to be nothing. In the bio market, nothing. Hmm. I mean, they'll they'll probably they play the Nuggets tomorrow, and knowing the Celtics and how maddening they've been, they'll probably win. They'll probably win tomorrow, but that doesn't change the underlying issues. This team just lost back to back games to the two worst teams in the league. I mean, it's no. just. No. Ugh. They got they got three home games at home against Denver and then two home games back-to-back on Wednesday and Friday against the Hawks. Well, the, the, they literally have a back-to-back the Tuesday, Wednesday. Yes. I mean, they, they are a banked three on opening night yeah. and another jumper at the buzzer against Detroit the first time from being 11-15. and 15. In zero and three against Detroit. That's that's a hell of a, a sentence to te- kind of take in. So I mean, look, look um, I think we've exhausted ourselves for one week. Unless anybody has any other thoughts, concerns, yeah. complaints, opinions. Um, let's maybe before the next pod, maybe we do what we did last week. The Celtics have four games. Yeah. The record that they need to have. So you they play home against Denver mm-hmm. on Tuesday, back to back, at home against Atlanta on Wednesday, 
home against Atlanta again on Friday at the Pelicans on Sunday? Uh, I mean, listen. I want 4-0. Need 4-0. 3-1. I don't... Listen, none of these teams that they're playing are playing that well. The Pelicans are 11-15. The Hawks are like 11-15. The Nuggets yeah. are... Like, they're, they're not that well. They're really hurt. I was looking at Millsap's already out yeah. for tomorrow. You need to win all these games. Because you should... You can, which means right now, given everything else going on, it's a need. When you drop games to the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards of the world, then you can't afford to not beat the Nuggets. 100%. You better come back with a passion. At New Orleans, they, they play awful. They play awful at New Orleans. It's like when they play at Sacramento. It's like they can't win there. I don't know what it is. And they're playing a day game again on Sunday, 3.30. So, watch out. I agree with you, though, Nick. 4-0. Like, 3-1. and one, Yeah, that Pelicans four. game worries me. These these early games, they're awful. 3-1, and one, I guess you get a pat on the back. But 4-0. Well, oh, you put it this way. 3-1, and one, I'm not upset. 3-1, and one, I'm content. Like, I'm content. 4-0, and oh, I'm happy. I'm feeling better. We're trending in the right direction. Two and two, I'm still kind of the same miserable I am right now. One and three, or worse, and you just get even more mad. One and three or worse, and I really think, I don't think they would do this, but I think you say sit Kemba for the rest of the year, start sitting Jalen Brown because he's got tendonitis in his knee, and, and screw it. As crazy as that sounds. I mean, if you get to the point where you're like 15 and 20 or something like that, I mean, I don't know if you're digging yourself out of that hole with this roster. You would have to make some sort of trade. I think if you're going to say, oh, let's dig ourselves out of the hole, I think you probably have to deal Marcus Smart for something. But it's got to be something that you think is going to make a big enough impact to the roster. Like, I'm talking you're probably going to have to package, like, Theus and Smart, a pick, maybe a young guy or two that a team is specifically interested in. You're going to have to start offering literally everything except for JB and Tatum. If somebody wants Kemba, please somehow take then him. you give him up right away. I I don't care what else you do. Yes. Yeah, and I'm done I'm done with the you can't deal Kemba because it's a bad look for free agents. Who cares? Philadelphia just dealt out Horford. No one even remembers it. And I meant to yell at you earlier for this DS. You say, oh, he's still getting himself together. Bro, he's played, like, enough games now that you can't make excuses like this anymore. You can't say he's still finding himself. He's still finding his game. He's played enough games. He's fine. He's just sucking. And he's, that's that. He's got a huge game. He because, plays well, uh... Because he, play, he plays good against trash. Okay, no, no, no. That's fine. That's right. fine. You can play well against the Wizards, but you gotta do it again. You can't just All do right. it one time we'll and see. then be clear. We'll see. All right. All right. All right. But anyways, I think we've now at this point exhausted ourselves an hour and ten minutes, essentially an hour straight of this topic, this issue. So I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of The Cool Zone. We'd like to thank Dan Sadik again two weeks in a row calling in. 
can't wait to see our pod uploaded within the next one to three days, of course. Retrospect. Re, re some, pods, some pods wish they could. So we'll have to wait and see how the Celtics do in these next slate of four games. Go follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. Go follow all the Malvinas Sports pods. That way you'll know when they finally drop some content. And that's going to do it this week. So uh, go Celtics. Save us from this misery. And uh, we'll, see if, we'll see if I get to yell at Kemba next week. All right, Dan, thanks Fuck for coming Duke. on. Fuck, dude. Oh, okay. You can, you can play our music now, DS. See you all next week.